We're good. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. As a scripture I read earlier in Ephesians that we are accepted in the beloved and then to hear the beautiful, beautiful song that goes back with us a long way. Jesus loves me for this I know. I invite you to turn in the New Testament to Ephesians, one of the Apostle Paul's letters, the book of Ephesians. And that is maybe a little silly, but uh, I hear James Merritt sometimes on Sunday morning and he has this huge congregation and doesn't know where many of them come from, what their orientation is. So he always tries to guide them through the Bible and he'll tell them, you know, go to the middle of your Bible and either turn right or turn left and how far to go. Well, years ago I read from Norman Vincent Peale, the, one of the voices of the power of positive thinking say that if you want to remember the order of these letters of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, this may be even harder to remember, and that is go eat peaches and cream. You got it? Galatians, you, you don't want to hear it again, do you? Absolutely. Yeah, Galatians, Ephesians, you know, and, and Philippians and Colossians. But Ephesians chapter one, and we will be in Ephesians for the next couple of weeks. It is the winter Bible study, the January Bible study. And I always enjoy this type commitment in, in my study life. Uh, to, to, you know, learn more about the word of the Lord. Today we will look at closely Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And in a moment you will see that we will begin focusing in at verse 7. Let's pray together again. Almighty God, how wonderful to be here today and to share together with your word. It seizes my heart and excites me. And I know that I am unable that I don't have what it takes to present this word in its power, but you do, Lord Jesus. And so I pray for that anointing, old time word, the unction of the Holy Spirit, that we might hear your voice and respond to you. Forgive us of our sins. In your precious name, the name Jesus, we pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1, I read verses 3 through 6 a moment ago. The Apostle Paul's very well-known opening, he greets them, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That next Section, the little headings in my copy of the scripture says, Redemption in Christ. And after that beautiful doxology that I shared of blessings to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us, the apostle then begins in verse 7 to speak of the ways that God in Jesus Christ has blessed us. And so I titled the message out of a title from one of the great preachers of the past. James Stewart had a sermon entitled, Why Be a Christian? Why Be a Christian? 
And his outline was a great one, that it is a happier life, it is a more hopeful life, it is a healthier life, and it is a holy life. Now that's the sermon, and that one's free. But looking in the passage here, there's three things that stand out in the verses between verse 7 and through verse 14. And that is to raise the question, why become a Christian? Because, number one, in Him, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Amen. That's verse 7 and 8. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Verse 8, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And I want us to simply look in at the, each of the words in this verse. And that is, it says, in Him. And the three points today we follow an outline here where the apostle says, in him we have this, in him we have this, and in him we have this. Well, in this first one here, we have redemption. And the word redemption means deliverance. It means to be set free. It means to have a debt paid in full. And of course, we are talking about being set free from the captivity of sin, from the sin debt that we have. And my heart is such, and especially because this goes out into a pretty, every year, every day I hear someone listening to us on the radio and I welcome them and thank God for them. But I think a little bit of backstory here is important for us to understand what Jesus Christ has done for us in delivering us from sin. And just a very quick few points on salvation history, salvation history. And I do want to, and, and I pray that you will see where we came from, how we got here, and what Jesus has done for us. But the doctrine of salvation is that in the beginning, in the beginning, it was God and us. And you might say, well, why do you say us? I wasn't there. In a spiritual, experiential sense, we were, and I'll read a couple of passages in a moment. But in the beginning, it was God in us. In the beginning, there was one commandment. One. Of all the trees, all of the fruits, all of the vegetation in the garden are yours, except do not touch, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that's the way humanity began in the Garden of Eden, in a wonderful relationship with God, in a wonderful relationship as husband and wife, with only one commandment, and guess what? We broke it. Amen. And we broke it. We broke it. And you say, wait a minute, I wasn't there. I flipped through a couple of passages of Scripture, and that is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul links us Two, he links us to Adam in there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. The apostle says, For since by man came death, by man also, capital meaning Jesus Christ, came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, 
What Adam did that day affects us down to this day, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary affects us down to this day, and that in Christ all shall be made alive. In Romans, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the apostle says, Therefore, just as through one man entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why I say in the beginning it was God in us. Adam is our representative. He was our ambassador in the garden. Now, I don't know whether this has any merit or not, but I think you ladies will agree with it. And that is, in the garden that day when they failed, and God asked Adam, what have you done? Adam blamed Eve. You know, the woman that he just was in shock with when he saw her first says, the woman you gave me, gave me to eat of that tree. Well, I find it interesting the Apostle Paul or the rest of the New Testament does not lay the blame at the feet of Eve. The Apostle Paul says, Adam did this. Now, you can just connect the dots any way you want to, but I believe that Adam was to, as the first, was to be the spiritual leadership, and God is saying, you know, it was through Adam, it was because of Adam and the first that it all came down to us. So in the beginning, it was God in us. It was one commandment and we broke it. And because of it, we are broken. We are broken. And sin cuts us off. It separates us. It separated Adam and Eve from God. The relationship was not like it was. They moved from a relationship of life and of abundance and purpose to one of death. This is very critical for us to understand the rest of this sermon. God is our life source. He is our life force. He created us. And the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, talking with all of those philosophers and scholars at the Areopagus on Mars Hill outside of Athens, seeing all of the pagan god idols, knowing that they were religious, but he said to them, I saw an idol that said to the unknown God, him I declare to you. And he began to tell them about Jesus Christ. And this is a powerful poetic verse. Paul said to them, in him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. God is our life source. He is our life force. And because of sin, we have become separated from Him in that life-giving relationship. And the way I describe it is like a fish out of water. A fish was created to live in the water. You catch it, you throw it up on the bank, it's still alive. But not for long. And it will flip, and it will flop, and it will struggle, and it will gasp. And it will do everything it can to get back into that water. But if it does not, he's gone. We were created to be in God. We were created to be in a relationship with him. 
And I think that this will resonate. And that is, if we are not in that relationship, some of us can say, I'm just flip-flopping through life. I am gasping for meaning. I am dying inside. And so we have been separated from God. We've been separated from ourselves. We live with shame. We've been separated from one another. We blame people. And we have been separated from the garden. And because of all of that, we live in a jungle today. Amen? We absolutely live in a jungle. I know you know where I'm going. So from the beginning, this is the history of salvation, the history of sin. From the beginning... We broke the only commandment there was, and it, as a result, it broke us. But from the beginning, we have tried to repair our brokenness. And you know how? By being good. And the one commandment became the ten, and the ten became the 700 plus. And as they would say today, how's that working out for you? The Apostle Paul said, it ain't working out. Parents will tell me every once in a while, Brother Bill, please don't say ain't in the pulpit. You know, but I just got news for you. It ain't working out, amen. It just ain't working out. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 said, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. And then he cries out, I am a miserable man. And he raises this question who will deliver me? Redemption is being delivered from all of this. Who will deliver me? And then he says, thank God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, why be a Christian? Because in him, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Because sin results in death. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus Christ substituted Himself for us on the cross of Calvary and died for our brokenness once and for all to satisfy the righteousness of God. And his righteousness, to use a New Testament word, is imputed to us. I have been delivered from sin. Follow the passage. We have been delivered by his blood. He took our place. The forgiveness of sins. He imputed his righteousness to us. According to the riches of his grace, it is a gift it is a gift. And verse 8, and that gift of grace abounds in us in wisdom and prudence. Wisdom is right thinking and prudence is right living. Why become a Christian? Because in Him we've been delivered by the blood of Jesus. Our slate has been wiped clean. And he has, and it is a gift of his, and he has given us right thinking and right living. So why today should I be a Christian? Because I'm telling you, friend, if you're not, 
If you will, you can walk out of here with your head screwed on straight, amen, and walk the path of life. Why be a Christian? Because in him, we have redemption. Then there's the second thing. You go down to chapter, to verse 11. And this is the way the Lord just revealed how to, now let me remind, say this, the first three chapters of Ephesians are gonna be very doctrinal and very theological. And the last three are gonna be very practical in moral guidance and church life. So we have to weave our way through the scholarly part of the letter to the church at Ephesus. So then in verse 11, he tells us a second in him. Not only have in him we have redemption, but in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Maybe this will jumpstart us, but maybe we might want to ask the question about why be a Christian? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Of course, the wonderful gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins. But then the apostle begins to remind them of an inheritance. And it's fascinating to look at this. Barclay points out that the apostle Paul is speaking to Jews in Ephesus and he is speaking to Gentiles in Ephesus. And when he says we, he's speaking to the Jews, when he says you, he is speaking to the Gentiles, and when he says our, he is speaking to both of us. And that Jesus Christ has brought us all together. And so what is the inheritance? We share, everybody that accepts Jesus Christ, and several months ago I preached a sermon series of the three questions most asked by Teenagers, and one of them is, where do I fit? Where do I belong? And the answer is, in Jesus. That's where we fit. We fit in Jesus. And the apostle is saying, and with that, there is an inheritance, and that inheritance, to those of us who are not of the original Jewish people, of Israel, of the people in which the Messiah is going to come into the world, that we now have been embraced in Jesus Christ. And as the apostle says, in, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female, nor slave or free. We are all on level ground in Jesus Christ. And so what's in it for me? What is our inheritance? We now, everybody that accepts Christ, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of social status, regardless of any of these things that cause us to discriminate and di differentiate between people, we all are able to say, God is my Father. God is my Father. When, when, when Jesus had dinner that day in Zacchaeus' house, he came out and he announced to them, because of Zacchaeus' faith, Zacchaeus' generosity, Zacchaeus' reception of Jesus, they wouldn't have anything to do with Zacchaeus, but Jesus said, he too is a son of Abraham, meaning God is this man's father too. We have inherited, we have been given the privilege of being a child 
of the almighty heavenly Father. And then you inherited something else. When we accept Jesus Christ, not only does, do we have that restored relationship with God the Father, but there's something else we get back, we get. Don't be looking around now. But if you get saved today, you get us. <laughs> we, become, amen, we become your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And I say, welcome to the family, amen? Welcome to the family. And in hardline Judaism, we weren't welcome in the family. But in Christ, we are welcome. We, uh, we inherit a purpose for our life. We inherit a home in heaven. And we inherit, we get our stuff back. I share with you every once in a while, I love Karen Wheaton's song, Devil, I Want My Stuff Back. Well, I'm telling you, in Jesus Christ, we get our life back. We get our self-esteem back. He will heal relationships. He will heal relationships in our life. It's kind of like they say about a country song. If you play it backwards, you get your truck back. You get your dog back. You get your gun back. And if you're lucky, you get your girl back. Amen? Well, I'm going to tell you, glory to God, why be a Christian? Because everything the devil took away from you, God will give it back. Amen? Man, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So why be a Christian? The apostle says, we have an inheritance. In these next verses, he talks about how that that inheritance has become everybody who believes in Jesus. And so, why be a Christian? Because Jesus Christ, He has set us free from sin and paid the debt in full. And He has restored to us, point number two, everything the devil's taken away from us. And I love this. Why be a Christian, number three? In Him, Jesus Christ, we have an eternal lifetime guarantee of our salvation. One thing that breaks my heart more than anything else is when a person does not have the security of their salvation, doubts their salvation, wonders if they're saved, and that breaks my heart. But listen to what the apostle says, verse 13. In him you, that means those outside Judaism. You gotta remember this is a culture 2,000 years ago. There were Jews and Gentiles, okay? And the Jews had nothing to do with the Gentiles. Our lesson today, oh yeah, I told my Sunday school class, I knew I'd mention it. It was the woman at the well. And Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans, amen? But Jesus does. Hallelujah, Jesus does. And so it says, Paul is writing then, in him, meaning Jesus Christ, you, meaning everybody else outside of Israel, those are not discriminating statements. They're just historically correct. Trusted after you heard the word of truth. 
In Romans chapter 10, the apostle says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and says, now that you've heard the truth, now that you've heard the gospel of salvation, now that you have believed, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. We are guaranteed to receive what God has for us until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of God of his glory. When we become a Christian, Jesus Christ puts a stamp on our heart. And that stamp is there for all eternity. It is for all eternity. A lifetime guarantee. Now, I I wanna be helpful to y'all. If your car warranty is about to run out, don't worry, they're going to call you, amen? <laughs> they, are going to, they are going to call you. Well, I got a card in the mail a couple of weeks ago that the car that I have is approaching 36,000 miles three years. See, when I came here as your pastor three years ago, I knew y'all wasn't going to put up with me riding around in that old beat-up Buick, so I went out and bought a new car. And so they told me, that, you know, you need to call, you know, because the warranty's running out. Well, my goodness, they sold me so much because that thing is so intricate, I thought, I can't afford any breakdown. So I called. And so we began to talk. It was a representative, you know, here through a car dealership, figuring out what level of warranty. And then she said, wait a minute, Brother Bill. It's so nice to be famous and popular, you know, could be a problem too. (laughs) Said, wait a minute, Brother Bill, let me check on something. And then she came back and she said, you know what, when you bought that car, this is a quote, you bought a lifetime wraparound guarantee. You get it? And that warranty is good as long as you own that car. I wanna tell you, friend, why be a Christian you can get a lifetime, eternal, wraparound guarantee and you don't have to ever, I'm getting happy, you don't have to ever worry about your eternal salvation. Can you give God glory in the house? Amen. And as they say on the radio, stick a fork in me, I'm done. Because time is up. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you trust him that what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, he did for all of us? And that you can get back what the devil has taken from you. And you have an eternal lifetime guarantee. We sing a hymn of invitation. The purpose is for however God has spoken to your heart in these moments to respond to him. I'm here to receive you in any way that I can minister to you. If it's to accept Jesus Christ, to unite with this church, to pray in this altar, or for me to hold your hand and pray with you, I invite you to come. Thank you, James. All right, 598 is wherever he leads I'll go, so let's stand up, please. 598.
Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey. 